And Ben and Carmen, I know, would echo that same thing. Uh, thank you for all the food. I got to get home so I can eat <laughs> diet again. Good night. <laughs> we have you've taken good care of us, and uh, it was in and out this afternoon, and nobody come to California without in and out. <laughs> and uh, and then this evening, of course, with Luke and Elena and their family, and just time with them. Uh, told Pastor Tim that probably the highlight for me was Tim and Pauline today and being able to hear you and you'd go with you in the historical, the, what God has done in your life and my old heart just resonated with the same journey, same Savior and uh, just was so good, such a blessing to us and um, we just thank you. Um, I want to make you aware of something, I, uh, the YouTube messages that I've been doing from our living room. Uh, I guess I've done a few of them from my study, sitting down on shorter topics and stuff. The latest series I put on there was uh, out of John 14. This series that I'm going to do, that I'm doing here right now, I'm working on, will be a series that I've start, it started airing last, this Sunday. And I'll probably have eight or nine messages on that out of John 11. Anywhere in John's good. Would you agree? Anywhere, anywhere is good in the Bible. Um, but John 14, the theme of that one was, let not your hearts be troubled. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, not forsaken, cast down, not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Trouble, Paul said, no matter what direction I looked, there was trouble. Every side. How many of you have had a day like that at least? Anybody know what I mean? No matter where you looked, it seemed like there's, this is, <laughs> these are hard things. Paul said in his first letter to the church at Galatia, chapter 1, about verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him who called you under the grace of Christ unto another gospel, comma, which is not another, but there are some that would trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. There, there's, a, there's people that get a delight out of troubling especially Christians. They just do. Um, in John 14 it says, <clears throat> he's just told them, one of you are going to betray me, turn me over to the hands of the people that want to kill me. A little later he said, I'm going to a place you cannot come. A little bit later Peter's whining over the fact that he can't go with Jesus, left all to follow you, just tells you can't come. He said, I'm willing to die for you, to go to prison with you. And Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me. And he, by this time, is the established leader of the disciples. And he said, you are going to betray me three times before the rooster crows. And then he says, let not your hearts be troubled. He just tells them some heavy hitting things. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And by the way, that is a choice, and I'm not going to preach these to you. <clears throat> but let me say this. Um, in the Olivet Discourse, the disciples now, uh, and he sat upon the Mount of Matthew 24, about verse 3, and he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Lord, tell us, when shall these things be, and what should be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the age? And Jesus said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, trouble you, no man deceive you. For many shall come my name, saying, I am Christ, and deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and of rumors and wars. He said, see that you be not troubled. 
That's my favorite. I, I memorized the Olivet Discourse one time, and I said, that's my favorite line. See, how many of you read the Olivet Discourse, and there's room for getting troubled? Anybody know what I just said there? You read the book of Revelations, and you say, well, why don't I understand this, okay? He says, see, see, an unbeliever has every legitimate reason to read the Olivet Discourse and be troubled, but a believer needs to read the Olivet Discourse and not be troubled. You want to know why? Un how many of you live long enough to know this? The world is not falling apart, it's falling into place. Would you look at this book? This, we, we've been told what kind of thing is going to happen. Don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. And that series is on there. Let me give you a few things that might trouble you. Just one or two words here and there. Okay, you just, you just see, but see if you haven't had a little jerk. Al-Qaeda, Taliban, ISIS. Afghanistan, China. Globalism. CRT, BLM, LGBTQ. Oh, you tracked with me on that, didn't you? Vaccines. Cannabis. Climate anxiety. Did you know that climate anxiety is a new disease to that 10,000 ones? It's a new one added to the list for which you can get prescription medication to deal with climate anxiety. And I can tell you this, if you watch the weather, if, the new, if you want to do that, knock yourself out, I'd be scared to death. This place is going to blow up any minute. Just melt down and the seas are going to come in. And <laughs> see that you be not troubled. Just see that you be not troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. The word let means to give permission, to grant. You know what not means? Refuse it. Now you can be troubled if you want to. <laughs> but you're better off if you don't. God gives us the liberty to make whatever choice you want to make. He just doesn't give us the liberty to choose the consequences. You, you make right choices. Don't let your heart be troubled. How many of you know God is saying, I got this? Say amen to that. Would you agree with that? Amen. World unwrapped? I, I got this. I got this. You can trust me. So if you Google Tom Harmon preaching, which I don't know how to do. I can't even get on this whole, I don't know how to do this. But I know that if you do that, it'll come up and you can find the YouTube things on there. And I think I've had Joyce send you, Luke, something about those things if, if you, you're interested. There, you just push subscribe. It's free, obviously. Freely we receive, freely we give. Okay. So um, maybe something if you just every once in a while just want to hear preaching about something I'm studying. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to keep doing this. Joyce asked me, and said, are you going to do this for seven years? Because I do that in seven-year periods. I said, if I get to live that long, maybe I'll do that in seven years. <laughs> I don't know. How do you know we don't have a clue what the world's going to look like in seven years, but God does? Say amen to that, okay. All right. Um, no review tonight. I'll just quote the titles of the sermons, The Great Awakening. What Great Awakening? Many wake-up calls. Sin for Jesus. Remember that. Remember to sin for Jesus. Sickness, just sin for Jesus. Following Jesus may get risky. No, it's going to get risky. It is risky. Turn up the lights. You want to minimize the stumbling, just turn up the lights. Find out the path where to walk. Turn up the lights. Well, tonight, the title of it is For Your Sakes and the Sakes of Others. I'm going to try to do as, as well as I can at staying with my notes and not ricochet off of things. I, I, on rare occasion, <laughs> no, I do that.
for your sakes and the sakes of others. Let me read the text, verse 12. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest in sleep. Now, one comment. All, you can take a verse and a word out of a verse every once in a while and just preach on it. What the disciples are trying to do, Jesus is speaking to them in spiritual terms, and they're trying to process it with a natural mind. All of us are guilty of that at times. Can I tell you something? We need to pray as we read the Word of God. That if God would just reveal things to us, He'd speak to us. The author and interpreter lives within us. But sometimes we'll read a text and then instantly shift into this. I, I try to figure this all out, and we can do all kinds of study and things, and forget the Holy Spirit who is the teacher in this. So, and you can go through this again and again. You see that in Scripture. The disciples, they're guilty of it here. We are guilty of it. Trying to process spiritual truth with a natural mind. That's all I'm going to say about that. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent you may believe. Now, that's our theme. All of this preaching and stuff is to take our faith. Disciples, he's talking to believers. And he's saying, I want to take your faith to another level. You're going to need it because I'm getting ready to leave. He's three months from the cross when he said this. He's trying to do everything he can to strengthen the faith of these guys because he's going to hand the baton to them as he goes up into heaven. Holy Spirit comes, church is birthed, and he commissions them to take this message into the world. Weak faith ain't going to do that. Weak faith sets and sours and gives all kinds of excuses as to why we don't. He said, I don't want you to do that. Strong faith is saying, I believe this, and if I believe this, how do you know that what you live is what you believe and all the rest is just religious talk? If this is true, how does it transform me? How does it move me into action, a faith of action? He said, you're going to need this kind of faith. That's what this whole Lazarus raising from the dead experience is about, to the intent you might believe. I'm going to give you a little bit of a setting for this. I've been doing little bits and pieces of this. Over in verse 22 of chapter 10, it's Hanukkah. He is at the Feast of Dedication. Hanukkah is um, not a, a biblical feast, but nonetheless, it's one that the Jews loved, the Maccabean Revolt and those kinds of things in 164 B.C., and they celebrate this. So Jesus goes there, and while he's there, of course, he's nearing the... The peak of his popularity, everybody is talking about this miracle man, John the Baptist, the prophet, the forerunner, all the things that he said of Jesus were true, and the people, there, could he be the Messiah? And there are many people that already believe that. They see him, and they believe this. And so he does the teaching there, and he tells them who he is, and they want to kill him. So he goes in John chapter 10, verse 40, to Bethbara beyond the Jordan. I don't know if I drew this map. I'll try to do this a little bit better. If you could just see Israel, like here, Mediterranean Sea over here. This is Israel, Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea. If you were over here at the bottom of the Dead Sea, it would be Edom. Next would be Moab. Next would be Ammon, the two sons, okay, on this side of the, I haven't got time, I'd love to, I haven't got time. Then you go up here to Bashan, Og, the king of Bashan, when they conquered that, and then there'd be a little place called Gilead. That's where Bethbara would have been, and it is a desolate area. And so Jesus, because they want to kill him, be thinking, don't, don't, just, just don't put this in a historical sentence, a setting. The word of God is transcendent, so what does this mean to me today? 
They wanted to kill him here, and he went to a place that would be less likely for them to find and kill him. Satan would love nothing more to put his finger in God's agenda and plan to mess things up. When you get to the last week, the Passion Week, everything is cryptic. He, he tells his disciples, go and find this man carrying a pot of water, find out where we're supposed to have the Passover and prepare the... Why is it? Because Judas... The one who's going to allow Satan to enter into him would love nothing more than to mess this up. And so Jesus just, he's the example of whose steps we should follow. He's using wisdom. He's, so he's doing certain things. Think about that. He went. Do you always stay where people want to kill you? No, sir. Thank you. I, I believe that. He, he's none. Do I foolishly throw my life away? Like some, no. Now that doesn't mean there's a time... You pay with your life, your faith in Christ. But he didn't do this. He went to Bethlehem beyond the Jordan. Now, they've been there for three months maybe, two and a half. Timeline, we don't know exactly. Then you pick up where he says, he gets the message, Lazarus is sick. He waits two more days and the disciples are probably thinking, good, maybe he's just going to forget it and he's going to speak a word and he'll be healing them from here. He's done that before. And then he says, let's go to Judea again. <laughs> they kind of remind him, like Jesus didn't know this. Don't you know that of late this Jews sought to kill? Did you forget that, Jesus? Oh, thanks a lot, boys. I, uh, we won't go. <laughs> Never mind, you're not enjoying this. How <laughs> you know we don't need to remind God of things? He really does know them, okay? But we fall prey to this. And you know why? They don't want to go. I don't blame them. They don't want to go down there. Now, let me pick up the narrative and see if, if I've said and given enough of the setting. Ha! Go over to, if you're in chapter 11, John chapter 11, verse 54. Let me give you a few verses before that. Because he's going to leave there and go to another secluded place. He's not going to go to Bethlehem beyond the Jordan because a lot of people found him there and a lot of people are becoming believers there. And maybe the word spread up to there. He's going to go to a different place for a couple of months. In verse 45 of chapter 11 that we're in, then many of the Jews came to Mary and, and had seen the things which Jesus did and believed. They saw the resurrection of Lazarus. They believed. But some, verse 46 of them, how do you know there's always but some? They ain't going to believe no matter what. Unbelief is strong. Belief is strong. I'll tell you, I've talked to people that you cannot reason with. How do you know if they found Noah's ark with Noah's signature and the, the ship's log and everything else on there, they still wouldn't believe that there was a Noah's ark? So that's part of it. We, how do you know we can't make believers? We can tell truth, but we can't make believers. I haven't got time. Okay. Then the chief priests got together and said, this man doeth many miracles, and if we don't do something to stop it, everybody's going to follow him and believe him. So they slayed, and then Caiaphas, I think it was Caiaphas, yeah, makes the proclamation, prophesies that this man should die for the nation. Here's, a, here's an unregenerate man that is making a prophecy that is absolutely true. Now, okay, verse uh, 54. Jesus, therefore, now the word therefore, I've said this a couple times, is a word that links what has already been said with what's about to be said. So, Hanukkah, they're going to kill him. Bethbara, let's go back to Judea again. Lazarus was raised from the dead. People are believing. Lazarus, how many of you know Lazarus really had a testimony? Say amen to that, okay. And his testimony, they wanted to kill him as much as they wanted to kill Jesus. You'll see that over here in a couple other verses. We're not going to look at it. And um, now he said, time to leave again because we're getting close 
to the last week of my life. We're getting close to Passion Week. Jesus, therefore, he links all this together with this, walked no more openly among the Jews, but went from there unto a country near to the wilderness into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. We use the word city, we think of L.A. or Lodi, or you know, whatever, city. This is a village. Let me tell you where it's at. If you remember the map, say yes, amen. Say, I remember the map, okay? <laughs> Mediterranean. Galilee, Jordan. Ephraim is not on this side of the Jordan. If you know where, how many of you know where Jericho is in relationship to Jerusalem? Okay, if you have a picture of Jericho, go to Bethel, kind of a significant city, the house of God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, dream, ladders. This is a significant city, spiritual city. It's like Jericho when they came over, walls. These are significant places. And then you go up to Shiloh. Just draw a triangle. Shiloh, about 10 to 15 miles, 10 to 15, something like this. Jericho over here. So you got this track. Ephraim is in the hill country, about in the center, a little more to the north and east of center, but very close to center. There's a well there. It, it, what made any dwelling places was water in this wilderness, barren region. And there weren't many people there. So he said, you know what? I go up there, they're going to know about it. I'm going to here. Because they want to kill me. And they're going to. But not until I say they can. How of you know no man's going to take his life from me? He's going to lay it down. Come on, help me with that. He's going to lay it down? Everything is not man's timing, but God's timing. But it's still, he's saying, I'm going to use wisdom. The example in whose steps we should follow. Use wisdom when pursued for my life. Now. And Ephraim. And he is there until the week he comes back. I'm going to go to the book of Acts. I want to just share this. In Acts chapter 7. How many of you are familiar with the stoning of Stephen? Okay, good. I know you. Uh, they've stoned Stephen. Acts chapter 7. Let me see about verse. Chapter 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death. That means he was in favor of, had authority to, and to some degree, say this man deserves to be killed, and they stoned him. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. They stayed to take the hits. And devout men carried Stephen and his burial and made great lament over him. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, there were scattered abroad, they, excuse me, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Persecution against the church. I hear glad. <laughs> that Paul took a trip up to Damascus and he met somebody he didn't anticipate meeting. Say amen to this. And then you know what turned around? When he met Jesus, the great persecutor, do you realize <laughs> what could happen? I don't know what's going to happen. That people who at one time hated the church, persecuted, and into homes, wreaking havoc, scattering the people, this is Hebrews 11 stuff, that, that, that group of people. He got saved, 
When he got saved, it said, and then they had great, I'm going to read it. Then had the church rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified, that means built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and they were multiplied. That could happen. Now, the title of this message is For Your Sakes and the Sake of Others. He said, I am glad that I was not there to the intent you might believe. I am glad that I was not there for your sakes. I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. Here's the thought. Not there. Did you know that Jesus is in the limitations of his body? I even know that Jesus was not omnipresent. He was in Israel. Ponder that just for a moment. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh. When He became flesh, and in that infant, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt. He was the express image of the invisible God. I and the Father are one, but Jesus, that Son part of God, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, when He, low in the volume of the book it is written, to do thy will, O God, he said, because you have prepared for me a body. So Jesus could not be. Did you know that if he was in Galilee, he could not be in Jerusalem? How do you see a little limitations there? Can I tell you something? If Jesus would have been there, Mary and Martha both had. If you'd have been here, my brother hadn't have died. He said, you're absolutely right. But for your sakes, I wasn't there. Think about that. What is he doing? What is he beginning to prepare the disciples for and teaching them? He's told them, I'm going someplace you can't go. He's given them the, that kind of information in John chapter 14. In John chapter 16, he says this. I'm just going to stay in John for a while. Because once you get past him and he comes um, to chapter 12, we're at the cross. Everything there is in the week, the last week of the life of Christ. And he's telling them significant truths. John 16 and verse 7 says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for me. Excuse me, expedient for you. He said, I'm doing this for your sakes. This is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send, I, Jesus said, he's first person speaking, he said, I will send him unto you. We're going to talk about that. You can't help but talk about the mystery of the tr Trinity of God. It's, he said, I'll send, expedient means this. It'll be more beneficial for you. It'll be better for you if I go away. How do you know that was hard for them to process? They don't want him to go away. They can, they can see him. This is God. We've confessed you're the Christ, the son of the living God. We know who you are. What do you mean you're going away? We don't want you to go away. He said, it's better for you if I do. Because if I don't, the Holy Spirit won't come and he's, this is going to be better for you because then I won't be in a body and stuck here. I'll be in your bodies and you'll be scattered all over the place. Be, I even know there'll be Jesus in Africa. There'll be Jesus in India and China and Russia in the lives of believers. And they'll do things that are greater things that confined to the body of Jesus that he could do where he was at. I'm getting ready to move into this church age. 
I've, I've looked at this and I've been so thankful as I was writing and studying this stuff out today, pinning this, trying to organize it. I am so glad to be born in the church age. All people say, oh, I'd like to have been born in the days of Christ. If I'd have seen him do those miracles, I'd have never doubted him. Oh, come on. We'd have been just like these guys. You know where that one happened. We'd have been doing that. We have something that is greater, a capacity for serving, knowing God in a greater way. In John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, 14 he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. He takes them down, he says, and I will pray the, comf- and I will pray the Father. Oh, let me give you all. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Nope, take it down there. And he says, and where I go you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How are we going to know the way? And he, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Philip said, Jesus, will you just show us the Father? We'll be satisfied. We'll never ask you another question. Just show us the Father. He looked at Philip and said, how long have I been with you and you still don't know me? Do any of you ever feel like that? Been a Christian a long time, feel like you're still a novice when it comes to really knowing God? Know about him. I'm not talking about knowing about him. I know things about people I've never met before, but I don't know them. I want to know him. Paul said that I may, my life's verse is that I may know thee and the power of the resurrection and fellowship of be made conform. And Paul said, I know whom. And this is life eternal that they may know thee. This book is about we can know God. We can know God. Well, that's not in my notes either, but that's the reason they call us reverend. <laughs> Never mind. It's the only reason I can think of. Look, in chapter 14, I know where I was at. How do you tell I'm excited tonight, whether you are or not? I, you don't even have to get I'll be excited enough for all of us on this, because we're going to get to the message eventually. See, he said, show us the Father. How long have I been with you and you still don't know me? I and the Father are one. How do you think that one flew by him? What are you talking? He said, I'll tell you what. I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another comfort. And I'll know there's three of you. <laughs> another comfort. Even the spirit of truth from the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him. But you know him for he dwelleth with you. You're looking at him. And shall be one day in you. I'm a close. See, you and I in the church age understand what he was talking about. These guys are hearing this for the first time and don't have a clue about the Holy Spirit of the church. They don't understand the cross or the need for it. But we do. How many of you know in our age we still have questions about things we do not understand? How about this second coming of Christ stuff? How many of you would like to have one question answered? When? No answers. Believe it's happening. It's coming. It's coming, but... Well, is it going to be before the tribulation? In the middle of the tribulation? After the tribulation? No tribulation? <laughs> You're not enjoying this. That's okay. Verse 26 of that same chapter, he describes the comforter, but the comforter who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will... S- Remember what he said over here? I will send him. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is speeding for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send. This is red letter, Jesus is speaking. He said, I will send him. Listen to what he says over here. But the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Well, who's sending him? God. The Father, God. The Son and God. The Holy Spirit. 
whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and he will bring all things to your remembrance, what sort of things I've said unto you. Can you imagine all the things that Jesus had said unto these disciples? How many of you wish you could remember half of the sermons you've heard in your life? How many of you know if we could, if we could remember a, third, a quarter of the sermons we've heard and apply them, we'd all be better Christians than we are right now? Part of the curse is we forget what we should remember and remember what we should forget. But he says, there's someone coming. When I'm gone, and he's going to be in you just like I'm with you and you see me. So you see me, but you're not going to see him. But he's going to be in you. And he's going to teach you things about me that me being here can't teach you about me. Because I'm confined to this body. But I've got to go, he says. I've got to leave. John 16, 13. Nevertheless, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. And he will glorify me. One of the tests of the Holy Spirit, if it's the Holy Spirit or not the Holy Spirit, who's it glorifying? Because if it's glorifying the Holy Spirit, it's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is glorifying the Lord Jesus. It's all about this Jesus Savior, the one who came and took upon himself the flesh, bodily form. This omniscient. See, he's not omnipresent when he's in the body. But in the spirit, omnipresent. Omniscient? Yes. Limited in his... How do you know that Jesus had to learn things because of his body? Said he learned things... He learned things by the things that he suffered. Now, I'm not talking about the cross. Do you realize what it is... To be God the Son, but not have a body yet? How many of you know in heaven he didn't have to eat? Say amen, please. Just say amen with this. He didn't have to eat. How many of you know that he had to eat and drink to sustain the body that he took upon like you and me? He had to sleep. Jesus in the bow of the boat, sleeping. I thirst his humanity. He did this for a purpose that is greater than just Jesus in his bodily form here. You see, in his resurrected body, he's seated at the right hand of the Father on the throne on high. But he sent his spirit, the Holy Spirit. You know what makes the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? The Holy Spirit. He that hath not the Spirit of Christ is none of his. You can know all the Christian language in the world, but if the Holy Spirit doesn't live in you, you are none of his. I'm, it's in the book. A Holy Spirit's not the, a feeling. Would you say amen to that? The Holy Spirit's not an it. It is the person of the Godhead. That God in his sovereign plan from beginning, in the beginning God knew one day I will dwell in them. And they'll be my people. And I'll be their God. It's the Holy Spirit. Okay. I've never seen Jesus. 1 John 1.1 1, 1, Disciples John is writing and he says that which is from the beginning, which we have uh, heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have handled with our hands, the word of life. You and I have not done that. Come on, say amen to that. We've not done that with Jesus. But they did. Let's go to John chapter 20. If you have your Bibles and like to see this? I know I'm flying high, but I'm getting close to the message. John chapter 20. Resurrection Day. 
Who was missing on resurrection day? What disciple was not there in the upper room when Jesus showed up? Tom! Mus! He missed out on resurrection day. In fact, before we turn there, I'll, let me say, I'll say this about old Thomas. He's taken a lot of bad press over this. Some of us deserved. Verse 16, we read 15. Then Jesus said unto them, Lazarus, plainly Lazarus dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you might believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then Thomas, who is called Didymus, he had a twin, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. That is his voice recorded by John the Apostle in the eternal word of God that describes his absolute disapproval of Jesus' decision to go back to Bethany. It is said in a sardonic tone. Old Thomas was one of these guys that was probably as pragmatic as you. He's the kind of guy you'd like to have on the board because they steer you around some bad decisions that are made on emotion only. Very practical. Jesus, you will do better to stay out of that place called Judea. But if you're determined to go, we'll all go just die with you. That had something to do with that old boy not being there when Jesus died. He was not there. He missed out. Are you in John chapter 20 yet? I was waiting for you. Please. This is key. If you can track with me and God help us, track with me in this the best you can. He comes into the room. You're familiar with this. And peace be unto you. I like Luke's account. He has more description of this time. They are terrified. <laughs> okay. He shows up in the upper room. said, peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Unseen. Unseen. Maybe it was just an exhale. I don't think he went, <gasps> I don't think he did that. He just... Boys, receive ye the Holy Spirit. And you know what they did? They got a partial endowment before the full endowment at Pentecost. They needed the Holy Spirit to see them through the next 50 days. Somebody was there that missed it. Thomas. Remember when Thomas shows up? And they are lit Thomas, where have you been? Jesus has been here. Yeah, right. Yeah. Watch the strength of his unbelief without a measure, just a measure of the. How many of you know that was not Pentecost? But you should see power after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I got news for you. That's not Pentecost. He gives them a measure of the Spirit to see him through to Pentecost. Thomas missed it. Watch his unbelief. I don't believe it. Thomas, we have seen him. We really, the Lord is risen. He said, unless I put my, my fingers in the nails in his hand and shut my hand in his side, I will not believe 
You got guys he's lived with for the last three years. He's seen the miracles, walked on the water, handed out the bread and the fish. He's seen eyes, receive sight, ears. Can you imagine? He takes all that and throws it to the wind. What's missing? The measure of the Spirit. He said, I won't believe it. Well, a week passes, and Jesus shows up in the room, and Thomas sees him. How do you know Jesus was in the room when he was shooting his mouth off? Would you agree with that? Because he quotes him perfectly. He goes right over to him and said, <clears throat> Finger, hands. And he hits the deck and says, My Lord and my God. That's what you've been missing. Well, Thomas now has something them other old boys didn't. He's got her now. He knows who he is. He's confessed. Oh, oh God. Here's what Jesus says that we don't want to miss. Verse 29. Jesus saith unto Thomas, Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they who have not seen and yet have believed. I've never seen him. People that say they see visions of Jesus, maybe they have. I think it would burn the eyes right out of their head if they had. It did with Paul. Who are you? Sir! Kyrios is the Greek word. It means Lord or Sir. He said, who are you? He said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Left him blinded. I have never seen Jesus. But one of these days, these old eyes are going to behold him. And I'm going to see him as he is. Behold what man of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. One of these days. Until then, just the Spirit of God dwelling in me. Teaching me the things about Jesus. Convicting me of sin, conforming me to the image of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God, the relational things I have with God because of the Holy Spirit and His work. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Whom having not seen, Peter's writing to, he's writing to Jews that never saw him. Jesus, Peter saw him. Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. I'm going to go to that. How many of you know that the prophets wish they could have understood this? They, they scratch their heads in wonder. I have a sermon I preach on that. They just scratch their heads in wonder. Listen to some of these things. Searching what or what manner of time, of which, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, who was in them, did signify when he testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and of the glory that should follow. How do you know when Jesus showed up resurrection day and the two on the road to Emmaus and he started walking with them and said, why, why are you so troubled? And they said, are you a stranger in Jerusalem? Here he is, the star of Jerusalem. He said, are you the stranger in Jerusalem? And don't you know the things that have happened? He said, what things? And they told us that Jesus, we believed him to be the Messiah, but they crucified him. We've heard said that he's raised from the dead, but we're just really struggling. We didn't head home because it was a Sabbath and we want to violate the Sabbath day rules. And Jesus says, oh, foolish of heart and slow to believe all the things that the prophets have talked to you about. And beginning with Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the beginning. He began to open up the scriptures and reveal to them the things concerning himself. 
How many of you know that Jesus... <laughs> lost my place. <laughs> Unto whom it was revealed. Do you know one of the works of the Holy Spirit is? He reveals truth to us. Did you know that you and I are not sharp enough to figure this out without the Holy Spirit teaching us? So it's cold. In fact, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness, and neither can he know them, for they're spiritually discerned. I'm going to come back to that. First Corinthians. Now, you know I'm not in my notes now, don't you? I'm, this is, the Holy Spirit, the scriptures. Did you know this is a closed book without the Holy Spirit? This is worth, I, I wrote this down, copied it out someplace. I, I didn't put any credits in here. I don't know where I got it, but here it is. The moral principles and many of the religious teachings of the Bible are within the range and capacity of the natural mind. It is the divine unfolding and revelation of the gospel of redemption that are impossible without the Holy Spirit of God. The doctrines of grace and sin and mercy and hope and faith and eternity, judgment, conviction, those are the things that are beyond the natural man's capacity to comprehend. In other words, you can't get saved without the Holy Spirit of God revealing the truth of who Christ really is. Not some historical figure that you and I, if we can kind of model our lives after him, it will make us Christian. Christianity is not about taking a good man, mixing in a little religious behavior and making him a better man. It's about taking a man who is blind and has never seen before and kicking on the lights and letting him see. It's a man who was dead in his trespasses and sins and breathing in him life, and he is now. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Amen. It's about taking a man who's been arrested, convicted, tried, convicted, and sentenced to life in prison and open up the door and setting that man free. That's what Christianity is about. You can't pull that off without the Holy Spirit. It is just, he's trying to tell them, I'm glad for you that I was not there. For your sakes. Man, what a day to be born. I wonder if I'd have believed in Jesus had I been born in the days of Jesus. I wonder if it would have reached the little town I was born in, in America. The Holy Spirit, doing the work of the Spirit. I want to go back and finish this. In 1 Peter. Thank you, Lord. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the Lord's of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the revelation that is to be brought unto you at the... Excuse me. What's this? For the grace that to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I don't know where you stand on this, but I believe in progressive revelations. In other words, there's things that I do not understand now. How many of you are familiar with this verse? Jesus looks at his disciples and says, I have many things to say unto you, but you're not able to bear them yet. How are you familiar with that? I can show you where it's at. How many of you know that's true of us? There's certain things. How many of you know if he backed up and, and dumped all the truth about himself on us, we, could not, we would not have a clue how to sort through it? But how many of you know this time next year we should know some things about him in our relationship with him that's better than what it is right now? Because he's going to continue to pro progressively reveal truths about himself. Let me see if there's any more. 1 Corinthians 2, yeah. 1 Corinthians 2 said, I'll take on about verse 9. It says... 
But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered the heart of man the things which the Lord hath prepared for them that love him. For God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of God, save the Spirit, for what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we've not received the Spirit of the world. But the Spirit who is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but with the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. What he's doing for the disciples by saying, I'm glad I wasn't there, because the time's coming, I won't be there. I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send myself in the person of my spirit, the one co-equal, co-eternal, co-powerful, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to do things in you and in people across this globe that I couldn't do being stuck just in my body. What a day to be born. Nevertheless, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. As I was preparing these, everybody was gone. You guys were gone to the store. And the cottage was empty. Hallelujah. I love to be alone to study in case God gives me something, puts me on the floor weeping. I don't want people, I don't like people to see me. I had a holy moment. That's what I call it. Right here in California, if you can believe that. Okay, I had a holy moment. I said, I'm not giving you all of what I got. I mean, the, you ever had the times the scriptures come so fast you can't, you can't write? Times you work like crazy and can't get a, a sentence of a sermon. And sometimes it's like, whew, and I was overwhelmed. And they said, God, are you going to send revival here? And I'll be honest with you, I got scared. See, I've read about revivals. I've never seen one. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the kind you read about history. This nation had a great awakening before it really became a founded nation, which set the course for our country. And I got scared because I thought, God, what kind of cleaning do you need to do on me? What would happen to me? You see, I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. I want him on the throne of my life or on my heart. And then I said, do I really? Do I really want that? And I got scared. And I said, oh, God, help me. You know what he said? He said, oh, I do other things more than just revival, Tom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know if we really want revival. The breath of God cleansing us, breaking us being on the Lord of our heart and our life. 
but he does more than just. By the way, I'm not so sure we can do a lot to prepare for that kind of revival. I think God just says, I'm going to do this. And he shows up and does it. I'm not saying that I've read enough on revival. There are things that help prepare the heart for this. But God is not into just great revivals. He's into the faithfulness of day in and day out teaching me things about Jesus. And if I'll take that step, you know what? He'll reveal some more truth. Pretty soon I'm walking in the Spirit. And I'm becoming the man he wants me to become. Just the... <laughs> He'll show you things to come. He'll teach you things. It seems interesting that we sang hymns tonight. There's a hymn that you'll probably be familiar with. More about Jesus would I learn. More of his holy will discern. Spirit of God, my teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me. How are you familiar with that? Join me on the chorus. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. Because I was alone, I got to stand up and do some shouting. That's what I want. And I can't pull it off without the Holy Spirit. Ain't a person in this room that can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ without the help of the Holy Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. He lives in me. Christ liveth in me through the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Well, I have a closing prayer. You tell me, you tell the Lord if you want in on it. Bow your heads, make the little area where you're sitting a sanctuary where you can do business with God. And here is the prayer. O oh Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the churches. God, would you please give us ears to hear. Today, if you will hear his voice. God, you speak to us. You will never tell us anything in contradiction to what you've already told us. We can check it. Test the Spirit. But God, we need ears to hear and it's not the it's not our physical ears as much as it is our spiritual ears to what your spirit would bear your the spirit himself bear witness with our spirit in a voice that's quiet and oh god if we would learn to respond with ears to hear to your spirit god i know you'd speak to us more there's things in our life that you want to speak to us about that we've closed our ears to god give us ears to hear what you would say to us and God, give us eyes to see, <laughs> spiritual eyes. Wouldn't it be horrible for us, God, to have 20-20 vision in the natural world and be dimly seeing things that you want to show us? I know when Isaiah got his glimpse of you, he volunteered for service. Oh, Lord, hear my sin. God, help us to see 
the temporal values for what they are and then to see eternity to look on the things that are not seen God we can't do it without your Holy Spirit we I, I confess God it's like I'm looking through a glass darkly just dimly seeing spiritual truths but God I pray your Holy Spirit would lift those blinders help us to see things with spiritual eyes and then dear God to have a heart a genuine heart and desire for more of you I confess too often I want to set on the throne of my heart when you oh God are worthy of that place and you alone not to be shared with me or any ministry for you you are deserving of that position of Lord in my life thank you dear God for this day thank you for this church thank you for the privilege and the responsibility of feeling God to proclaim the responsibility of proclaiming your word knowing everything I've said I need to hear every instruction that might be intended for someone else oh Lord I need God I pray you would send us away different teach us your ways oh Lord show us your paths and then help us to walk in them You, God, live within that delicate environment of balance. We live in a world of a pendulum that swings so many times from one extreme to another, especially with the person and work of your Holy Spirit. May we walk in the light. May we walk in truth as you, God, lead us through the person and work of your Holy Spirit. We'll be careful to thank you, dear God. Use this message somehow, God, to stir within us a desire for more about Jesus. And we'll be careful to thank you. In Jesus' precious and holy name, we ask these things. Amen. Why don't we do uh, the Spirit of the Living God? All right. So we're going to, uh, I'm going to ask you to come, or as he said, just clear out a space wherever you are, and let's ask for God, the Holy Spirit, to just fill us, fill our marriages, fill our homes, and fill our church. Spirit of the living God. If you want to stand, if you want to kneel, if you want to come here. But all of us, if we don't have the Spirit, like he said, it's just going to be so empty, so dry. We need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. And so you come. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church 
and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.